Hi, everyone. It's Chrissy, and I'm here with Charlie and Xander, and it's the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. And today we're talking about a tale as old as time <laughs> and really around MQL. So I have a, a story that I want to tell. So this week, I got pulled into a last minute conversation with a client, you know, more of an escalation. And they wanted to talk through how they can handle meeting their MQL goal. They have a thousand MQLs as their goal for the quarter. And they're freaking out knowing that the holidays are coming up and they're only 20% of the way there. And what can they do to just magically get 300 MQLs in the next two weeks? This probably feels very similar to what a lot of people are going through every day, especially right now. And I think that's just purely down to having that MQL metric and that volume-based metric as like the primary way that the marketing team is getting measured. And when we were talking, it felt like a lost cause in some ways. I really wanted to contribute and say like, hey, this is what you should do. Hey, this is actually going to help you hit your goal. But when it came down to it is really more of a conversation around, you know, okay, maybe we need a different metric or maybe we need to focus on, you know, some things that are maybe less short term and more long term to help you get there. Because when I talked to the marketer, she was saying, oh, I could do these events, but they're in a few weeks and it's just a bunch of registrants and you know, they may not likely convert, but hey, I can MQL of them and that'll help me get at least 100 MQLs here. And then I can do content syndication and then get another 200 MQLs there. And before you know it, you just have a lot of MQLs that are just not going to convert and sales are just going to miss their goal anyway. So there will then be some misalignment. So chatting through that, it felt a bit like it was disheartening for her to hear. And so I think we need to talk about this. I think we need to, you know, talk about because it it's happening everywhere with our clients and a lot of listeners, you're probably dealing with these questions and conversations as well. So well, where do you think this is coming from? And you can maybe give this specific story an example here, but maybe just in the more general context, like where is this pressure coming from to just kind of hit an arbitrary MQL number. So the CMO and the CEO in this case, the CMO is coming up with a, a way to measure the team. And I think historically, the team didn't have a great way to measure marketing. So they've always had an MQL goal. And so the CEO has always looked to that as a primary metric for them. But no one's really pushed or resisted to say, hey, you know, that's not the right goal let's change that conversation. So it's coming from the top level at a C level. And I think it comes down to just history and there needs to be a reassessment and maybe some education there, but there's still resistance because as much as like some of the team knows, okay, this is probably not the right thing to be measured on. They still want to hit their goal and appease the CEO. Yeah, it's a tough situation. I think that when you have that pressure, that acute pressure kind of in the moment, even if you know that it's not the right metric to be measured on, you kind of have to try and appease the le leadership, right? In that moment. And maybe that moment isn't the best time to be like, well, let me tell you all the reasons why tracking MQLs like this is wrong, because 
you're just trying to kind of solve the acute problem. It's kind of like, a, you know, if someone comes into a hospital and they've been, you know, they've had a traumatic injury, you've got to kind of first like get them on life support and get them okay. And then you can start rehabilitating them over time. But I think that, you know, what obviously it leads to is this constant, sh- I don't know if this is a word, short-termism, where they're constantly just chasing that MQL goal. And because they're not looking long-term, that's just going to be a, a quarter over quarter issue, isn't it? You might get that MQL number, but then like you said, you're crushing your MQL number, but you're probably not hitting your pipeline and revenue number because of all the things that we're going to talk about today about why this is an issue, just trying to get an arbitrary MQL goal. And then, you know, next quarter, you've got the, the same gap and then you have the same problem again. And then you're kind of looking at that quarter and because you're not doing more long-term initiatives that can really help maybe solve the gap long-term in pipeline and revenue, you are always having to solve it with kind of short-term tactics that are going to be very inefficient. So it's kind of a a trap that you're going to fall into. And it's probably quite hard to get out of when you're in that cycle, quarter over quarter. Yeah. And it's the short-termism, which I do love, and we can make that official. It takes away the brand awareness and it takes away all of the efforts that a marketing team is also responsible for. So it's very easy for the teams to start looking at demand capture, but demand capture comes because you've already done a great job at building brand awareness and you know people are at least knowledgeable about your organization and how you can solve it. Otherwise, you're doing all of the short-term engagements to try and get new names, let's call it new names, and then, as you mentioned, they convert a lot less efficiently, if at all. So it's every quarter. And I know that we're preaching to the choir in a lot of cases. Most people that are listening to this podcast, they know that this is not the right solution, but it's like it's a long term change management process that needs to happen through communication and education and reestablishing goals, which as we're coming up to the end of the year is probably the right time to at least be broaching these conversations as you're starting to set your goals for next year. Yeah. I think that sometimes the teams that are being tasked with this goal, a lot of the times people working on campaigns like demand gen marketers, stuff like that, I think sometimes they can get kind of like lost in it all. It's kind of like training like a dog, you know, you just get them focused on, you know, receiving a treat if they, you know, give you their paw or whatever, and they just keep doing that, keep doing and do that. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks or whatever. It's kind of in that sense where I think in some ways, they just like can't even see past that. So they need the insights. They need like maybe even someone like in the operations or who's close to the data to show them, hey, like this isn't working, you know? And so I think having the reporting structure in place or those key insights to even start the education up front is really crucial instead of just saying, hey, change your goals. It's like, let's start having informed conversations. And that might be slow, but I think it will help the team get there. And I've seen that a lot with our clients. Yeah, I think the biggest issue when you actually kind of think about what happens when you have this short-term approach to just trying to generate a certain amount of MQLs last minute, is just what does that mean when it comes to the marketing that you do? Like, is the marketing that you're going to be kind of putting out there into the world going to be really like effective? Is it going to engage with people the right way? Or is it going to lead you to do things that kind of a bit more spammy, you know, shitty, bit more shitty hacky. marketing? I think you're trying to say shitty marketing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. content syndication, I've got quite a strong opinion on content syndication. I feel like 
I just don't think it works. I mean, especially not the way that people do it. You know, you're basically paying for a name. And I think that's how you have to think about it. You have to think about you're literally paying for a name, exactly like you're paying for a name through Zoom Info or another data provider. And they're going to tell you that they've maybe somewhat engaged with something. Been doing this so long now. And I just feel like every time a salesperson follows up on a content syndication lead, the person who they're speaking to doesn't remember at all engaging with what they were said to have engaged with. So like, I'm not calling out content syndication vendors and saying they're lying, but there's something weird there. It's like when 100% of the time, the person doesn't even know they doubt they read whatever white paper, what's going on there. And then, you know, you're paying tens, maybe a hundred bucks, especially if you're trying to do like a targeted content syndication, when you could have just got, you know, a load of names from Zoom Info, and they're probably going to be just as engaged. And then coming back to like the demand capture side, if you're just kind of like spray and pray kind of approach, just trying to just get names in and get them to sales, all you're doing at that point is just trying to find the needle in the haystack of the person that is currently already trying to buy your product. You're not like educating them. You're not like trying to bring them kind of like into your ecosystem, start thinking about like your brand, the problems that you solve, all of those kind of things. It's more of the long-term play. You're literally finding someone who's already like written the check, but not like who the check is to yet. When you do that, I mean, one, it's super inefficient because you're having to do a lot of marketing to a lot of people and pay a lot of money to get the single deal. But also people, I think, don't really think about how many people they annoy along the way or the downside effects like okay, if you're going to go send an email to 100,000 people to try and capture like the two people in market, you've just annoyed like 99,000 people or they've unsubscribed or they've marked you as spam or now you're blacklisted from, from emailing their domain. So there's a lot of just like from this short-termism approach that ends up affecting you negatively long-term because of kind of the hacks that you're trying to do to just get that MQL number that month. And oftentimes it's being caused because we're just so focused on volume as the only mm -hmm. metric. And oftentimes, I mean, Chrissy, I think that you alluded to it, like you don't have the infrastructure in place to establish the right goals that can help you actually deliver results into pipeline and revenue, which I think all of us marketers want to be responsible for. Like yeah. we want to be able to say we're making an impact on things that truly matter. But if we can't measure accurately conversion rates throughout our funnel, we're lost, you know? And so we say, well, last quarter or last year, we needed to have 500 MQLs to work. So that's your goal this year. Or I'm going to double my pipeline goal. So you're going to double your MQL goal without thinking about like, how do we make our MQLs work better? How do we mm -hmm. get the most out of the things that we're already investing in? And I think that like, yeah. we're going to allude to how we can make that better, but. I think other things is just a perfect segue onto what we wanted to talk about next, right? Like, how do you go through this change? And how do you maybe play the short game to try and appease people if you need to, while planning for the long game and moving towards a much better way of building out your metrics, your analytics strategy to drive the right behavior and reach your goals? I mean, I'd love to hear from you both on some of the tips there, but I can maybe tell another story, but like we often see with current clients, we help them go through this change management 
And it can be a very long game. So I'll give an example of another client who I've worked closely with in doing some strategic work. And really for them, it was just trying to start the conversation, try to show the insights into certain channels because of volume just weren't converting down funnel. So first we started with, okay, we have our conversion rates. Let's measure that and trying to improve our conversion rates. And let's try and model our lead scoring against that. And can we try and hit that conversion rate, improve it by just reducing who's being sent to sales? And so even just going through that, they didn't change their MQL metric. They still kept it. But secondary, they said, okay, but if we hit our conversion rate or if we improve it by X amount, we'll give slack to the marketing team on like not hitting that MQL number. So I think even just starting there with starting those conversation, I think helps. And then looking at some of the specific data, but you can't do that without being able to track that effectively. So based on that, like, say I didn't have any of that reporting, Xander, like, what do you suggest to someone who just doesn't know how they can even show those insights? Yeah, I mean, I think that we need to get priorities set with the organization as a whole, right? We can't come two years from now and we're still having the same conversation. Like it leads to burnout of your prospect base, of your employees, of your customers, because you're constantly going to the same well with the same message and you're not getting anywhere, right? So there are things that you can do in the meantime, but like establish with your leadership team that we need the right funnel tracking. We need to be able to identify what is the tipping point for all of our sales motions so that way we can better accurately measure like what is marketing delivering? What is the sales outbound team doing? It establishes the foundation that you need so that way you can get better insights into overall campaign performance. But if you're not measuring like what's starting the sales funnel by the channel and by the program so that you can break out that analysis that you just mentioned, Chrissy, it's really, really difficult. And if you're stuck in a methodology where you're just doing it with the original and the most recent, you're losing a lot of insights as you start to look historically, which oftentimes when you're establishing an MQL goal, you're establishing it by looking behind. I think that's exactly right. I think that whenever I come across this phenomenon where there's this short-term approach that is delivering MQLs in a very short period of time, Often it is accompanied with the issue where they're just not able to track like what's happening and what's going on. So then it's kind of like this, okay, we don't know where our opportunity is coming from. We don't know where kind of like the high velocity pipeline is coming from. So let's just throw a lot of stuff and generate MQLs. That's an easier thing to track. So like we can kind of see that. And then, you know, that feels like we're accomplishing something. And then you don't have the data to show that it's not. So you end up just keeping on, kind of carry on doing it. But then as soon as you introduce a more improved way of actually tracking that buyer's journey all the way from when they convert the tipping point and then through all of the sales stages to pipeline and revenue, and then you can actually see, okay, we did this, you know, last minute content syndication push in Q3 and it didn't turn into a single piece of pipeline and we spent $100,000 on it. Now that's a whole different story and perspective you have on like what to do next than when you're just doing it and you don't really know like it's very hard to kind of like tie everything together so fixing that architectural gap in the ability to be able to track your funnel is probably i would say like the first thing 
that you have to do because you're not going to be able to address the problem until you really have data on how bad the problem is. So with that same client, we even took it, like you said, down by channel type and looked at what are the conversion rates. And we saw that like content syndication and web content, like they were kind of identifying some web content as being late stage. And we found it wasn't even late stage. Like once we dug into it, it's just like content that works really well for them, but it works really well for everyone. It's like their biggest piece of content in years. It's like a self-fulfilling kind of thing. They just saw, oh, it impacts a lot of our opportunities from an influence perspective. But when you actually looked at how many people actually became an MQL from those sources and did they convert down funnel, we found that it was like 2%, sometimes sub 2%. Content syndication was 0.5% at like best. And when you compare that to other channels for them, like webinars or events, and then their hand research, which had 39 to 55% conversion, right? And then sometimes more depending on the business unit, it makes it really clear like, hey, you probably shouldn't just be trying to invest all this money to create like this rented and owned demand and really focus on how we can kind of create our own demand and really get people, get our brand out there. But you're not going to get leads from that. You're not going to get a ton of MQLs from that. But when your marketing hits certain people, it may be more effective. And hey, you might get more hand raisers because of that, which will become an opportunity. And showing that picture and really painting it out for people, I think will get everyone more confident changing those numbers. Yes, I'm not going to do a ton of volume on the MQL side, but the leads that I am going to send to sales are going to convert and feel confident in that. And everyone then is happy. And with the client from the beginning who is up on this short-termness, they have a ton of MQLs just sitting there. And they're likely from these sources that like sales just doesn't want to work them. SDRs don't think they're going to convert. And so it defeats the whole purpose of generating them at all. Yeah. I just had a conversation the other day and person was interviewing the SDRs and saying, how are the leads performing? And, and, and the SDR leader was like, oh, we only follow up on form fills. And they were like, oh, does that mean that we're not, you know, MQLing non-form fills? Does that mean that they have the wrong views? You know, there's so many ways that that can happen. And I know that I was mentioning like, like rebuild the infrastructure and that's like such a large task, but like you could still get to that data. It might be more manual and more painful, but I'm assuming most of us out there in some capacity are timestamping. When was the last MQL that I had? What's their current status? What's their campaign responses? And we can start to build in correlations to get to those answers that you're mentioning, Chrissy. Might not be the easiest of tasks to do if you don't have the right infrastructure in place, but we can kind of like piecemeal our way there. And it's really critical to get there. You know, identify, are there MQLs that you've recently delivered already in that goal that aren't doing anything? You know, are we finding that they're actually already being recycled? Well, we know that we're just throwing money the wrong way now. So we need to be smart with the funding that we do have. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I like to think about when it comes to all of this is like, if you think of the purpose of just trying to like generate MQLs this month, right? Like we've talked about is very much around just like capturing demand that is already there because you're just trying to generate immediate pipeline, meaning that like you probably really are just trying to find those people that are actively buying. Like I talked about kind of like they've already got the check written, but they haven't written it, decided who it's written to. Now, kind of the fallacy here is like it even exists because 
if those people do have that check and it hasn't got the person who it's actually the company has written to, if they're actually in market, they probably know who you are, right? Like when you go and research products, you probably find most of the key players. And then if you are interested in them, you're going to reach out and ask for a demo and ask for a contact us. So probably most of the like really active in-market buyers, like actually kind of ready to be pipeline tomorrow kind of thing, they might've already reached out or just give them a good way to reach out to you. But then the people who are not in market, they're not going to react to the message for you to just like try and get them straight into pipeline because they're going to need some more kind of like the term nurturing, not exactly just like email nurturing, but they're going to need more kind of information that's going to kind of guide them through kind of your point of view, the pain points you're going to solve, the solution. And that's going to take a long time. That's not even going to be pipeline this quarter anyway. So then it just seems like just kind of the completely wrong strategy on just so many levels. And it just leads you to back to kind of like, how do you tell that story so you can get the company to start thinking about like, you know, next quarter, the quarter after that, the quarter after that, because you know, all you're going to do is just end up in the same problem quarter over quarter. And being able to tell that story and trying to get people to kind of go through that using the data that we've talked about, like showing the low conversion rates, being able to have the right data models, like a bottoms up approach where you're looking at your final data by campaigns and channels can like really help you articulate that story. But there's another element of the story, which is just like trying to like logically explain kind of what I just said. And getting everyone on board with just like the strategic decision of like what marketing is really trying to do. Like, are we going to be able to just like capture demand and get pipeline that's going to close this quarter? Or should we be trying to like solve the next quarters? Totally. Yeah. I think we try and tie a lot of that stuff, everything we do back to buyer experience. And I think, you know, that you talked about, like create a good buyer experience and then insights, like you need the infrastructure to actually start this conversation. And then just efficiencies, like what we're finding too, is just to hit that short-term goal. There's a lot of activity that they need to do or they feel like they need to do. It all feels like random acts of marketing. None of it is really planned out. And so, but the amount of operational lift that you need to do a lot of volume takes a lot of time and effort and even working with an agency, multiple agencies working through the night. We see this team working through the night. So it's just trying to support that even is like counterintuitive. You have to do even more work than maybe just focusing on the key things that we know will work. So yeah, I think good key takeaway for everyone. And I think you architects at listening, you know, start those conversations, be a change maker. Like this is your chance to be super strategic and starting with looking at the insights or putting in the model to get that, I think is a good next step. So if you have this problem, you know, how about wrong answers only now? What not to do? What advice should you not be following? Yeah, I will speak up right away because I know that I've had this in my past of we need to hit an MQL number. Let's just automatically MQL these people from this specific campaign because it's going to help us hit our number. Or let's change our MQL scoring model and you know open up the throttle so that way we can hit this number. And at the end of the quarter, the marketing team may hit it, but the sales team still doesn't hit their goal. And once again, just creates more and more friction. Mm-hmm. I would say wrong answer is to... 
also trying to outbound to try and generate MQLs, but at a volume-based play. So just buying a bunch of purchase lists and running campaigns against them and basically trying to spam them and doing that at volume instead of something that's more research-based and high impact. That is the wrong to do, the wrong answer in my eyes. And actually leads to like maybe a right answer where high volume outbound to kind of solve this issue is wrong. You know, a lot of times companies are trying to generate a lot of MQLs because there's like 20 hungry SDRs that need to eat and they're just addicted to MQLs. But maybe if the MQL volume drops and they have less MQLs to work, one, they could probably work the leads a bit better, the ones they do have. And instead of just like one email, they didn't tell me I'm ready to buy, I'm done. Then two, maybe they could actually do some hyper-personalized, really targeted, you know, efficient and, you know, good outbound that leads to a good buyer experience because they have that extra time. Again, it's definitely more of like trying to capture the, the demand and find people that are kind of already there, depending on how you approach it. I mean, you can educate in that as well, but rethinking just the SDR function, I think also is one thing to add to this just because they are often just like so intertwined with the mess of MQLs, right? Yes, yeah. So trying to maybe go, okay, well, if I'm dropping my MQL number for all these reasons, in terms of dropping, like reducing it. And actually one thing to maybe call out, MQL as, as a concept isn't wrong, right? They're still, it's still good to have as like a business process where someone's ready to speak to sales and you pass them sales. And you can call that MQL if you want, we call it sales ready. You could call it MQL if you want. That's not a bad thing. It's more about like tying all of your kind of self-worth and metrics and kind of marketing performance around it. That's where it goes off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just focusing on the volume. So just keep that in mind. Like just focusing on volume number is just like very arbitrary in some way. And it could draw the wrong behavior. I feel like this, we kind of hit all of the stops, but for everyone who is going through this, which I'm sure a lot of you are, your team is hopefully provided some really good tips on what to do next and how to combat that. And good luck, really. And if you have any questions, feel free to message us, hit us up on LinkedIn or rga at cs2marketing.com. And if you have a question that we want to tackle or you have a story that you want to share and get our advice, shoot us a note. See you next time on the Remedy Growth Architects podcast. Thanks, everyone.